What's up? This is your host, Elia Einhorn. And this week, we're rebroadcasting one of our favorite episodes. This was recorded live in the Sonos Room at Rough Trade here in Brooklyn. It features Jalen and William Pazinski in conversation from Northside Music Festival 2017. The reason? We've got a rematch set up. Jalen and William will be in conversation live on Pitchfork Radio, broadcasting from Pitchfork's Midwinter Fest at the Art Institute of Chicago. To find out how you can listen or even attend this talk live, head over to talkhouse.com slash events. Cannot wait to hear what those two have been up to since this talk, and we just knew we had to run this one more time. Check it out. What is up? This is Elia Einhorn. Welcome back to the TalkHouse podcast. Today I'm joined by... Hello, it's Amy Rose Spiegel, TalkHouse Music's Editor-in-Chief. Amy Rose, we have a hell of a show today. Two avant-garde composers who are pushing every boundary possible, William Bazinski and Jalen. This conversation is part of a series we curated for Northside Festival in Brooklyn, and we got these two in conversation in the Sonos Room at Rough Trade. Listeners, I have to tell you, Jalen is absolutely one of my favorite artists out there. She is just fantastic. Her records, including 2015's Dark Energy and last year's Black Origami, are flawless. And her live show, which often features dancers, just incredible. Jalen is out of and actually still lives in Gary, Indiana. So for those of us who aren't near to that region, Gary is about an hour outside of Chicago. And Jalen is actually associated by some with the Chicago footwork scene, though she very much has her own sound. She is and she does. And I can see why. Now, both live and in her videos, Jalen incorporates just incredible dancers, some from the footwork tradition, some almost postmodern. Now, her music follows the same proximity and that you can hear some of the footwork influence, but she goes so much further. The rhythmic syncopations are at times closer to something like Autecker than they are to four on the floor. And I got to say, Amy Rose, we know that true artists do not do what they do for cosigns. That's true. But in this case, I think you have a kind of special story to tell about Jalen. I have had three amazing artists individually tell me just how much they love Jalen. Artist number one, the goddess Bjork. Amazing. Bjork absolutely loves Jalen. Artist two, David Harrington of Kronos Quartet. Very sick. Artist three, Lori Anderson. That's really not too bad if those people are giving you big ups, <laughs> I think. You've got to be doing something right. I mean, wow. So, listeners, as an example of the way that Jalen could seamlessly move through different sounds, check out Carbon 7161. This is from last year's Black Origami. Amy Rose, am I wrong? I don't think you're wrong. I don't think Laurie Anderson is wrong. I don't think <laughs> Bjork is wrong. I don't think Kronos Quartet is wrong. I think that rules. She's amazing. She is just amazing. For sure. And of course, the track Holy Child on that same record was a co-write with William Bazinski. 
Right, and Basinski is also a great ambient composer in his own right. He's best known for the disintegration loops from 2002 and 2003. Maybe you know them, maybe you're a fan. I definitely am. On those records, he captured previously recorded tape from the 80s, and it was very fragile, so when he played it back over and over, it would disintegrate and kind of cease to be at the end. And it turned into like this beautiful chronicle about life and death. And every time I listen to the end of that, my heart just breaks. It is just so devastating. It's so emotionally devastating. That, of course, is only amplified by the fact that so much of it is tied to his experience watching 9-11 from his rooftop here in New York. Yeah, it's a very heartbreaking and poignant recording, which is why you and I, I think, were a little bit surprised when meeting Basinski, he was just <laughs> this completely irreverent, funny person and blew our minds a little bit in that way, too. We were shocked. We thought he was going to be a, uh, a brooding academic composer. At least I did. At least I did. Uh, we were very pleasantly surprised. <laughs> So his newest record is A Shadow in Time, which came out early last year, and it includes this beautiful tribute called For David Robert Jones, which is, of course, an homage to his hero, David Bowie. Let's listen to a little bit of that. Amy Rose, I love your choice of track for this. When I listened to that, when it came out, I, I was very taken by the fact that William Bazinski brought out his saxophone, which which we hadn't heard for a little bit. Of course, David Bowie was so well known for playing sax himself. It, it sort of felt like a very personal element in the homage. Totally. I love that he interpreted it that way. Yeah, yeah. Well, very powerful stuff. And uh, as we mentioned, listeners, this talk is unexpectedly funny. Jalen and Bazinski take in all sorts of things, including what William Bazinski called being creatively pregnant. We hear about what equipment is in Jalen's studio, how she makes what she makes. We hear about her collaborations with postmodern dancers. And with William Basinski himself, like we mentioned on that great track called Holy Child. And somewhat hilariously, we hear about how a big fat cat helped influence William Basinski's new record. I mean, you couldn't ask for a better muse, in my opinion. <laughs> Most of all, you hear what camaraderie and warmth there is between these two, and it's kind of a pleasure to take in. Should we roll it? Let's do it. First of all, I have to say William is a gem to start with. Like, I cannot tell you how much of a gem he is. When we met, it was actually quite on the fly, but it was so like time had stopped just for that moment because... That's what I specialize in. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it was like time had just completely stopped because it was like, the universe setting up to say, oh, no, you guys have to work together. And when I first saw William, I actually met him through Preston Wendell, which is a member of the, the band. What are you? I always, Sparkle Division. Thank you so this much. Side, crazy, crazy side project with my, uh, my wonderful young engineer, Preston Wendell. And uh, he turned me on to Jalen's music because I don't know anything about music or what other people do, especially what Jalen did, because I don't listen to that. But when I started hearing that, I was like, 
What? <laughs> we got booked last summer at the Broad Museum, and they put us on a bill with Jalen. Preston was so excited. <laughs> We're on a bill with Jalen. Oh my god! Oh my god! We went on, and then. We got to go upstairs and catch hers, but we also got to hang out in the green room, and that's where yes, we met. Yes, that's where we met, and and in that moment, it was like, in that moment of when we all met, I was like, I felt like I never hang with people when I'm on the road. Like, I'm usually, once I'm in my hotel room, I am there until it is time for the show, or I have sound check, and then I go back. We had and, separate green rooms, And too. we had separate green rooms, and I absolutely abandoned mine at this point. <laughs> And came in with um, sparkling. It came in with sparkling division. I was so excited because I felt like I had known these guys, especially like William and Preston, for like years. I felt like I I knew them, and I'm like, I and I told them, I said, I never do this. I never hang out. And so all of a sudden, it's time for uh, Preston and William. They they're going on, and. William puts on his sparkling jacket, and I was like, oh, my God. I was like, I was just, and he just, he throws his glasses on only like he can do. And, <laughs> and he just goes, and they're just like, and he's like, I'm ready. And they were gone. And, so, <laughs> and they were gone. So, I was not ready, but I, I did it. But, he, he, but that's why I love you, because you always, you're, you always tell me, I'm not ready. But every time I've, I've heard you, you were more than ready. More well, than ready, for sure. Mistakes were made, but <laughs> we got through it. You know. I didn't hear any. Oh, <laughs> I didn't hear not what. I haven't been in bands playing the saxophone for years, so that was a bit of a, whoa, scary kid for me. <laughs> well, it was amazing for me because you guys played before, I, before it was my set time, and I was amazed, completely in awe. I was like, oh, my God. And so... When we then when it was it was funny because after I finished playing, I remember before I even saw anybody and everybody clapped, William was right there. He just grabbed me and hugged me and said, Oh my God, I had no idea. <laughs> it was so good. We were dancing our asses off. And that's another thing I can't do more than five minutes anymore because I'm so damn lazy. But um and sedentary like an old dog, diamond dog. That's what I <laughs> Same year as Prince and Michael Jackson, Madonna. I call it the year of the Diamond Dogs because they're all real sparkly. <laughs> <laughs> but we were dancing our asses off. And I love, you know, I hate techno music. Who can dance? Boom, boom, boom. How do you dance to that? Honey, I like to move, you know. Yes, I and understand. what you do moves different parts of my body. Some of those footwork kids with all that stuff, they have rhythm in their bodies. You know, these are Michael Jackson's grandchildren. You know, they feel the music, and that's what I love to see. Exactly. When Not some flaccid. You know what? I hate modern dance. Most do you really? Of, most. Do you oh, really? All that tired old Martha Graham crap. Give me a fucking break. <laughs> this is modern dance. This is the new modern dance. I understand exactly what you're saying because when you're owning the movement, because I feel the same way about sound. That's why I think a lot of the, uh, the music that I, the way that I create, I create exactly from that point because it's like there's nothing wrong with tradition. You know, I, I respect tradition quite a bit, but I also feel that there is a time, though, 
at what point do we say, let's step out of tradition? That's why, you know, I, it's funny when people... You did it, honey. <laughs> when people call you a minimalist, I have to always stop them. And I said, I said, William's a maximist. Don't call him a minimalist. And I tell him, I said, have you, if you listen to your sound, you maximize every piece of space. And not only do you maximize the space, it's almost like it gets to the point that the space and the time is no longer there. And that is what is important because there's no restriction at that point. It's so to the infinity. And I love that. Thank you. Honey. Yeah. <laughs> I love that about your work. That's why I say when they're like, yes, you know, minimalist William Basinski. I said, no, he's a maximist. <laughs> I always say that. So I just wanted to know, well, I, I have a question for you. Okay. And one of the questions I have for you is when you're going and you're producing and you do, like you're using the, those tape loops like that, how do you go, how do you know when it's right? You know that feel and you say, this is exactly what I want. Or do you also have those moments where you get lost and you're like, I don't know what the hell's going on? Well, Working with the tape loops, you know immediately if it's going to work or not. Okay, okay. You know, you cut a piece of tape, mm -hmm. and if there's something on it, you see what's on there, mm -hmm. and it might be, you know, change the speed, something like that. It might just blow your mind, or right. it might be terrible. So, you know, I have a lot of tape loops. They're not all good. But I have a lot of really good ones, and you right. know. Yes, I know. <laughs> I know. I know this. And I like true. to, you know, for me, I like to find that eternal moment. So right. you don't really, in a certain parts of my work, you know, you don't really notice that it doesn't become redundant because you don't really notice that it's a loop. Right. Right. And some of these loops are pretty short. You know, they're they're like a 12, 14 inches. You know. Mm -hmm. Um, for a loop that's short. Anyway. Mm -hmm. But, yeah, I mean, in the process of what I do, mm -hmm. particularly as time goes on, you know, it gets harder. Right. Especially because there's so many people out there doing this kind of thing now, which is great. I love it. And there's a lot of really good ambient music coming out and stuff. Right. And, but, like, when I was first working on Shadow and Time... I pulled my old Voyetra 8 synthesizer out of the garage mm -hmm. where it had been since I moved from New York about eight years ago and pulled it in because I, I got rid of the guest room to put in my Studio B, my mm -hmm. new digital studio. Because when you live in California, guests come and they stay for a year. So <laughs> <laughs> that was not happening. So it's like, yeah, take the bed. Bye-bye. <laughs> <Just, laughs> So anyway, pulled out the Voyetra thinking, I wonder. Turned it on, mm -hmm. and it was like finding an old Starship Enterprise covered in dust on a planet somewhere with the keys in it. And you, like, turn it oh on. My God. <laughs> lights start coming on, and it's like the engines start firing up. And she fired up, and she was already doing something because mm -hmm. she's got some problems, you know. <laughs> she's the old girl, some of the buttons stick and yeah. shit like that. <laughs> she was already like, I've been waiting eight years to tell you something. I'm like, recording. <laughs> <laughs> and I love this. You know, I love mm -hmm. when chance things happen or when somebody has an idea and it's not me. Yeah, like right. machines telling me to do you, rec <laughs> right. you record it, bitch. That's, they call that the ghost in the machine. So we got going along. I started out with a little bit of a tail end of 
the end of Cascade. There was something going on there that I just left a little bitty bit of it on the CD. It's not on the LP version. Mm-hmm. And I kind of started with that, and then my Voyager was coming in with some stuff. And so we went with that, and then I started pulling in some other stuff. Because you know how it is. We just, once you get a couple things, and then you're like, oh, I know I'm going to get this. No, exactly. I'm right, gonna, yes. I'm going to pop this in, and let's see what happens if we pl- plop that in there. Exactly. You sound like me. My yeah, God. yeah. It, <laughs> yes, my completely. hair's standing on <laughs> Yeah, yeah. That's yes, this is me. That's a good sign. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. That's the feel you want. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like joy, you know, and excitement. Yes. So then I start going and you know, getting somewhere and I was really excited because this is all new, mostly synth. Mm-hmm. Not the same old thing I've been doing. Right. And uh I played it for my boyfriend Jamie. Mm-hmm. And I was really excited. And he's like, Oh, it sounds like everything else. I was like, what? <laughs> what are you talking about? You haven't bought a record in 20 years. <laughs> He's a huge record collector. Jamie worked in record stores in the 70s in Berkeley. He has thousands of records, and he loves music, and he'll like buy stuff when he hears the stuff he likes on the phone. He makes playlists, does all that stuff. That's why I never had to do anything like that. Not that I was interested, but... Um, he had the nerve to say that to me. I'm like, you don't know anything about what's going on now. <laughs> and then the next day, uh, some really cool friends of mine from Italy, they make ambient music, and it's really good. And they sent me their new record to see if I could think of anyone who might want to release it. And I was like, oh, <sighs> <laughs> Like Salvador Dali used to say, you're plagiarizing my thoughts. (laughs) And I was like, oh, my God, Jamie was right. It sounds just like what they're doing. (laughs) (laughs) So I thought it was done. No, I had to go back in. And um, but, you know, when it really came together was in January after Bowie died. Mm -hmm. I was invited to do to be in a little group show in a gallery about the size of this room we're in here. It's about 200 square feet or something like that. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's just a three-person show for a weekend. Mm -hmm. They wanted me to bring a tape loop on a deck. And uh, I was trying to find a loop to put on a tape deck, and I couldn't find anything. It was like bottom of the barrel. So I pulled out some real bottom of the barrel stuff that the cat had chewed up from (laughs) Arcadia. These were loops that were hanging on a boom stand. They were like next in line to be after the disintegration loops. And at that time I had, Jamie lived in California and I had been going back and forth and my roommate let this giant 40 pound Maine Coon cat from the Brooklyn Brewery, which was downstairs, come in. If you opened the door and that cat wanted to come in, he came in. It was like, (laughs) oh my God, it's a fucking wild animal. And he could slash you to ribbons if you didn't let him in. So you let him in, Mr. Big Stuff, we called him. My roommate at the time while I was gone, somehow the door to my control room Mm -hmm. was open and the cat got in there Mm -hmm. and sparkly things hanging down. Give me that. Ah! Yanked him down, chewed him up, probably peed on him, and, you know, that was that. So I came home and I'm like, what the hell is this? That's my work. That cat is 86, and you're next. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I pulled out the chewed up stuff, 
cut off the two marks on this one loop, mm-hmm. splice it together, put it on the deck, and it was definitely like one of the next in line for the disintegration loops, probably. Mm-hmm. So this is the first kind of string loop that comes in at the beginning of for David Robert Jones. And I got really excited. I'm like, Preston, put that into Ableton. So he recorded it from the tape deck into Ableton. And mm-hmm. then I went back and got the next one and cut it and mm-hmm. put it on. Oh, and it's that crazy, gnarly saxophone thing that from mm-hmm. something I did years and years and years ago. Mm-hmm. And um, I was like, oh my God, this is gonna be all the right kinds of wrong. that came together and so what we did was we were we had recorded it into Ableton and then we recorded it back onto a little reel mm-hmm. which is much better for an installation because loops can break and nobody knows how to deal with it you have to be there and monitor it mm-hmm. watch it make sure it doesn't get chewed up in the machine mm-hmm. so I just gave them this little reel 20 minutes long and uh, showed them at the opening how to just turn it over and thread it back because they don't know you know it's like oh no you just Put it on. Right. Get that in there, and then you just, you know, put it back and turn it over. Made it on both sides so they could be easy. So they they were like, oh, cool. (laughs) So we went down there for the opening. There was like 700 people. That sounds (laughs) about right. (laughs) All out on the street. It was like, wow, this is crazy. And then they came all weekend and stuff. So it was real nice. But then um, when that was done, I got back into Shadow and Time, and I started to do a little blend of some stuff in here with that one and then figured out how to get shadow working mm-hmm. and then it came together. And then nice. I started touring it and then a year later the record came out. So Nice. Yeah. <laughs> I always do everything backwards. No, that's no, so do I. I never like for dark energy, actually for black origami, I have to say, it's funny to hear you tell the story because I was so sick of dark energy. And I do mean sick. I actually I'm still kind of tired of it. Um, yes, I did speak badly of my work, guys. Um, That's okay. We all hate certain things. (laughs) Yes, we all hate something. That is like, I know my label's like, that's not helping any type of album sales of any sort. But, um... (laughs) (laughs) That catalog always comes in when you make a hit record, girl, don't worry. No matter what you say about it. Right. So, I'm so, I was at that, at this time... Last year, at the very beginning, I was just so over dark energy. And I just wanted to go into a space where I was like, I got to Excuse me, that's out. called being pregnant. <laughs> You're right. Give that's me, yes, what I that's call it. When you get is. sick that's of so everything. true. Or depressed. <laughs> yes. Oh, I'm pregnant. Yeah. I got to have a baby. But no, it, it was. It was like, exactly. Have this baby. This Exa- bu- yeah, but, me. yeah, but exactly. It was just like, I wanted to get, I, I was like, I got to get out of this. And so. Or get this out of me. Or get this out of me. Exactly. <laughs> because a, a lot of people didn't realize with Dark Energy, a lot of, some of those, I would say over, maybe over half of the records that were on Dark Energy, I had done three or four years before the album even came out. So 
I had made all of that, but that wasn't the current me when Dark Energy came out. I understand. It yeah. takes a long time to get a record together. And exactly. Sometimes you get sick of it by the time it comes out. Right. By the time it was out, I was over it. I'm but not going to lie. It's all new to other but people. But exactly. And I had to respect that. But I understand that. that. This is what the problem we're having with Sparkle Division right now. Yeah. It was like I had to I had to learn to respect that. And so I was like, and then, and it is, it's a process. So what happened was like, with so Black Origami, the first track that I made was the actual track titled um, Black Origami. And so it was when I first started it, it was the, just the at the, the very intro of it, it was these sounds that I had never heard before. I was not familiar with them at all. And I was like, I don't know what the hell's going on, but we're going to try to make this work. And so, Hello. <laughs> I like this. Yes, I'm like, I don't know what's going on, but we got to make this work. Jack this car yeah, up, get ex- some wheels on yeah, it. Exactly. <laughs> Let's see what we can do. So it was just like, you know, I started it, and then all of a sudden, you know, just like you said, you know, you kind of, you, you, it's like chemistry. You, now, or, or you being a chef, you start adding the seasonings. You're saying, this works. Okay, no, this doesn't work. And you're, now you're adding and taking away, adding and taking away. And so now at, I do uh, Black Origami, and the record is done. And so I remember I sent it um, to... Uh, my partner, one of the people that I collaborate with, she collaborates with me through movement, and I sent it to Avril. And I said, what do you think about this? And she says, she's like, I said, because I actually designed this record. I designed this track literally after the way that you dance. So what do you think about it? She writes me back, we on the phone, and she tells me, I'm completely intimidated. I will never dance to that track. I said, what? And I said, she's like, I will never dance to that track. I'm totally intimidated by it. I was like... Are you serious? I was like kind of upset, but then kind of not. So then the next track I did was Carbon 7. And so I started it off and everybody always says Carbon 7 has my nervous energy, especially the intro. And so I started this track off and then there's this section where the bass drops. Like now the track is coming in and then the bass drops. And so... I remember the first time when I when I hit that part, it made the hair on my arm stand up. And I was in my room. I will never. Child, you don't have no hair on your arm. I do have hair on my arm. So <laughs> they made the hair on my arm stand up, even though William doesn't believe I have hair. Baby hair. <laughs> okay, my baby hair. Yes. But this still tickles. <laughs> yes, exactly. So I remember I just stopped it. It was like at a minute 37 and I sent it to Avril again. I said, what do you think? She said, my stomach is in knots. What did you just do? And I was like, what happened? She's like, I love this. Oh my God, keep going. Do not send it back unless you're done. And so I said, God. okay. <laughs> so I said, okay. So that she's got like, you cleared that up. <laughs> right. So she's like, don't send it back unless you're done. I said, okay. So I go and um, we, I finished this record and uh, she's like, and I sent it to her and she was like, oh my God. She's like, you're, she said, you're, I hope you know you're on a roll so far. And I'm like, oh, I was like, yeah, that's cool. But at that time I wasn't trying to make an album. I was just trying to get away from dark energy. 
So I didn't know I was making an album at that time. I had no idea this is what was happening. And so... Well, what the hell did you think you were doing? I don't doing? know what I was thinking. <laughs> You're just making work, making work. Just making work, exactly. Just making work. And, you know, you're trying to, and I was, I didn't, I was digging for something. I was actually digging to, I was really, I was, I had gotten to this phase where I was like, Exploring. Completely exploration. I wanted to make time and space disappear musically. And so I said, I, I said, I have to get to this. I have to dig. I have to dig. So fast forwarding through some of the tracks, then we hit the we hit the the bomb of bombs. And this is where you come in, because I remember when it was I was I needed to my the, my album deadline was coming up and I was like, you know, remember I was texting you. I said, can you, you know, can you send me something? And when was that? Was that like November? That was like November. Yeah. That yeah, was like was November. Like, yeah. Not that long not ago. Not that long ago. And I was like, I'm like, hey, William, my album's coming up. Um, I would love for you to be on my record. And you're like, yeah, how did you like, you, you kind of did me like Holly. You were like, I'll send you some stuff and you do your thing. And I said, okay. And so what William, what you sent me, I was like, Completely, that was the first time that I have ever felt intimidated by something and oh, hearing it. Really, I'm serious because I had never, you know, the, you had sent me these loops and they were beautiful. And I was like, what am I going to do? Because there can be so many different variations. Oh, you were like, if I do my thing, William's going to hate it because I ruined them yeah, all. I ruined them all. <laughs> right, exactly. I ruined no. it. <laughs> no, so, no, 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 no. So I, you know, I started the process. You just did it right. I, it, I, three days it took me to get the intro to this thing going. I mean, I remember I erased this this Holy Child. I didn't even know it was called Holy Child at the time. I just remember erasing the, this untitled project so many times, so many times for three days. I had gotten completely frustrated. You know, I was, I was, I told Avril. I was and telling my mom, you could just, I'm in the house fuming because I can't get this thing started. And so then I almost wrote to you and said, could you send me something else? Because this is not working for me. No, <laughs> I would have been like, bitch, work. <laughs> you make it work. I don't so, care what you do, but you make that work. So, <laughs> that's so all I, I got. Because like, I was like, I sent so, you the best stuff you I had. Did, you're right. You really did. And so, and I was like, and I said, you know, what? I was like, no, this is what I have. I'm going to make it work. And so I remember sitting there and then all of a sudden, you know that moment, you start and it's like, it's like, okay, I can work with this. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, wait, I can definitely work with that. And then that third hit, I said, oh, this is it. I got it. I that's know exactly when you where called to me. Yeah, that's when I That's yes. when you called me like, William, <laughs> I'm on to something. I'm on to something. I'll call you back. Right. I was like, I'm on to something. <laughs> I got you back. I got to go. I got to go. I got to go. And so you're like, okay. And then so like, what was it? Like three days later, I'm yeah, sending like, you. Three days later, I sent him. I said, here you go. The track. Here's the track. I said, let me know what you think when you get a chance. And you were like. All I remember is I got a text. You said, call me now, in all caps. Oh, no. That could go any which way, but, you know. It was like, call me now, in all caps, OMG. And I said, uh-oh. I was like, now, this could be good, but this could be bad, too. So, we only met once. We you didn't know me that well. Right. I didn't know him that well. I was like, I don't know if that's good or bad. Let's see. Let me just call and see. So I call him, and he's like... What the hell are you? How did you pull that out of that? And I was like, I don't know. What do you think? He's like, I love it. Are you crazy?
a lot of people don't know. I have to share this now, but I'm going to have to say this. I know that track sounds like it's saying Holy Child. I know it does. And the thing of it was, they didn't, what William sent me is not even in English. And the fact that it sounds like it's saying Holy Child. The way you sampled the it. The way that I did it, right? The way that I sampled it's amazing. It. He was just like, oh my God, how did you? It sounds like Holy Child. And I was like, no. And I, but it's no. That, did that, that just, your sample? The way that, that I, and, that, and all of a sudden it's, it's saying Holy Child. It says this Holy is going to Ch- be for my friend. Exactly. And, and it was. See? It was yeah, exactly. The David Bowie piece. See? See? This is why, this is why I love you. Oh. And so, <laughs> but yeah, it's just like, you know, I know those aha moments you t- you're talking about. And there, when you, I feel like when you're creative, the birth of when you're giving birth to something, it is never painless. It is always the j- most dreadful birth that you can possibly come across. Not always. Some babies just pop out smiling what, and they're great. How, how rare is it? How rare? That's rare. Exactly. How but rare is it? But you love those babies you more do. than the you cry do. babies and the you do. awful you do. ones that just take forever <laughs> and practically kill you. Yes, that's and true. And that's why there are favorites in families. That's so true. So kids. <laughs> so get over it. <laughs> that's true. 90 was seamless for me, I have to say. <laughs> that's true. That's very true. So what do you want to ask me? <laughs> I wanted to ask you something. How the fuck do you do what you do? Now, you're obviously a master percussionist, right? I mean, you went to marching band and in school programs and all that, playing drums no, and everything? No, I did. Actually, I didn't do any of that. I what? Should, no. I, okay, I have to explain this. I, 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 this is a question I get asked all the time. Because your rhythm of, is spot on and perfect. Well, I have this. Well, thank you. And that is, I yes. know because I am a trained musician and I hate when something's like off. You know? Well, Unless I, it's the right kind of off, but... That's rare. I have to say, I guess in the words of Miles Davis, I woke up black. (laughs) I get it, baby. I love Supreme. That's John Coltrane right there on the wall. Yeah, like I just, I think, well, part of, uh, for when I have to, I I honestly have to say, because I get that question, in sincerity, I think a lot of it is being of, of, of African descent. It is naturally the rhythm of drums is like, that is, what we are. Oh, it's genetic. Yeah, okay. it's, it's genetic. But it's vi- not everybody not can pull everybody it off can pull, like you do. R- well, yeah, right, exactly. You I, got it flowing <laughs> out of your body onto the computer. How then do you do it? I mean, what yeah, are you what, using? What, are you using yeah, Ableton? Using, no, I'm using um, FL Studio as my primary, um, but I also use Reason as well. Like if I'm going back to master a track or equalize, That's what I'll I want to talk about yeah. too because your production values are absolutely flawless. <laughs> Every sound is clear and in its own space. I'm really jealous. I want to come and learn how you do that in your studio. I mean, I you don't like have like you. a big no studio. I don't with like a lot of perfect shit. speakers. No, but I don't like. I don't. Well, do you I don't use like, headphones? How do you do? No, it? I have speakers, and uh, I'll tell you my whole setup. I actually uh, have Genelect, the eighty yeah. twenties, yeah. and I have a RME, which is a lifesaver. Is that a subwoofer? It's a, is that sound, a subwoofer? No, this, the, no, the Genelect are the speakers, and then the RME sound card. That's like oh. that's my interface. Your that's, interface, yeah. yes. Okay. So I, that's what I use. But a lot of uh, the thing of it is. It takes a lot of maturity in your hearing over the years. And I'm sure, you know, as a composer, you know that. Like, I know. Yeah, composer but... to composer. For No, really, it does. The maturity of your hearing is everything. But when you get to be my age, your hearing goes bad. <laughs> <laughs> and then you have to rely on your young engineer, and he hears things differently. And you got to fight over what you want. It's terrible. Well, no, but the thing <laughs> about it, the, the beauty of that is, though, 
is that you have a different perspective besides your own because sometimes well, everyone hears things differently. Exactly, and everybody hears things differently. So for like for me, when I'm making a decision to know like that something is right, a lot of it has to do with the fact that when you listen to something of your own, because you knowing your own sound is everything. And it, I think in order to know your own sound, you have to know yourself first. And that's more important than knowing your sound because if you, because if you go out there completely blind if not knowing yourself, your first initial reaction is probably going to be to sound like someone else. And, you know, so it's just like, for me... Well, everyone has inspirations and stuff. And then you have to find your own way. You have to, Like you've done, obviously. Well, thank you. But (laughs) the production on the record, (laughs) everything in its own space, and, you know, Uh. (laughs) do you just send that to them and then they're like, okay, Mastered and done, or I mean, yeah. Well, usually, like honestly, like one of the things that we had, there were several things that happened when in Black Origami was done. Once we, I send the record, it's usually pretty clean because they trust me to actually go ahead and just equalize it down. It's it's very minimal. How do you tell? I mean, well, well I usually like tell. Our, my room is. Let me just tell you this. My okay. My room. I'm in this little bedroom now. It's you know half the size of this room. It's like a twelve by. 12 room Mm -hmm. and you know we don't hear the subs we don't hear so we have a tendency to have like you walk down the hall and it's like oh there's the bass (laughs) so we have a tendency to be a little bottom heavy Mm -hmm. and stuff how do you do that with what you do you just you know your frequencies i mean did you study no, I didn't, and no, engineering I didn't, well, no, I didn't. Because it I didn't, sounds like you did. No, I know. I get this question all the time. And no, I, did, I honestly, honest to God, I did not. And one of the secrets that I do is maybe this will help you. When I'm going back and doing a playback, I stand behind the speakers, not in front. Because the reason what happens is... But the then sound- you're hearing a lot of... Then no, you're no, no, hearing no, no, no. Like, uh, more bass and no, stuff. No, no, no. Because you have to remember, all the sounds are coming out. Sometimes a woofer is not necessary. And I am actually quite against the woofer. Yeah. I, I think know. because I, like, I enjoy clarity over bass. Because I have, you, I've heard some great tracks, but because they were so bass heavy, it was like, what the it, hell were we doing? It's just a big cloud. It's, too, it's a big cloud. It's saturated. Out, you put it exactly. on in your car and your speakers are blown. Exactly. It's like, you know, yeah. I would rather, I have, a, I have a thing, CPU, which is clean, precise, and unpredictable. And oh, <laughs> hello, girl. I'm down with that. That, that is what, so that is Come my... Come and help me with my mix. <laughs> Absolutely, I can. I've actually had... You gotta come to California. I would yeah. love to. Yeah, I would love to Do you ever there. get a break from touring? I know if they want... And I'm there. And I'm, yes, and, and what about you? I know you're not talking. <laughs> but no, but yeah, like, you know, it's just, it's a matter of really the clarity of you have to operate especially if your space is small you don't go and don't buy like really big speakers you go and you know they're not they're not no what kind of speakers do you have oh shit i can't remember i'm not a tech geek preston told me what i was looking at the gentle x mm-hmm. but then i bought these um i forget, i'll let you know later i can't okay. remember what they are but they're the same you know little studio monitors and mm-hmm. they sound good okay but you know i was just in berlin at my friend Carson Nikolai's um, studio, mm-hmm. and he has these big, giant, fancy ass—I don't even know what they are either—speakers, mm-hmm. and you get full range and bass response and everything out of right. these things. So it was interesting to hear a difference. Yeah, it is. It's interesting to hear a difference, and also too, I don't like—I um, don't like colored speakers. When they have a 
a they, sound. They have a sound because like it was, no, you want a flat. You want them exactly. You want them to. You know, you want the honest sound. Not yeah. you know what I'm saying because, no, because if then you never know exactly because then you never. You know. You gotta have another set of speakers and then you're confused. It, exactly, and then you put your sound in the car and it sounds nothing like it. Well, does you gotta do all that too, don't you? Yeah, do you well, do that? I, I do. Yeah, I do. I go through a whole process. Yeah. I really do. I, I have the issues. Car, the, the car, the house. Um, do you have a friend with a studio you can go pop something in and listen to? And no, I like usually that? no, I usually don't do that. It, once it between the car, my head. If I play it back in my headphones, headphones yeah, I'm okay. that's you good. Know, that's, it's pretty. That's yeah, three ways to three see. ways to I see. I mean, this is mo- mainly how people are going to hear it. And exactly. So if exactly. it sounds good. It's gonna sound good. Exactly. To me, I don't like a lot of things. When you're, if you could do things in a minimum space, and you still get that same bold expression of sound, that's great. Because that's what I love about this record. It's so open. (laughs) There is so much space in it. Yeah. (laughs) In between the beats, and the way you choose to bring in your samples of your voices, and I mean, it's just got. Uh, it's just a. You are a brilliant composer, and you know, <laughs> darling. You know, I think you're like the, the daughter of Steve Reich in a way. <laughs> Thank you. That was because he was a drummer, and he started out with these tape loop things. You know, it's gonna rain, and come out to show them, and and doing this phase shifting stuff with that, and then and he was a drummer, so mm-hmm. then he went and learned about all these African drums and gamelons and all this sort of stuff. And then he... Yeah, it definitely takes research. Then he came out with Music for 18 Musicians, which just blew everyone away, where he had orchestrated these phase-shifting kinds of things that he was doing with tape loops and with instruments. And we were all just mind-blown when that came out when I was a kid in college. But I think you're one of his descendants, darling. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate so that. So fly, bitch. <laughs> Take us with you. <laughs> Don't leave us here. <laughs> And there you have it, listeners, a glimpse into the minds of two of today's most important composers. Amy Rose, what a talk. Yeah, really incredible. Uh, Thank you again to Rough Trade for hosting. And thank you to Jalen and William Basinski for being geniuses. Shouts. Very funny geniuses. Shouts to Sonos for having us in their room at Rough Trade. A fantastic setup there. For more TalkHouse, make sure to visit us at TalkHouse.com. And you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at TalkHouse. If you enjoyed today's episode, head over to iTunes or Stitcher and subscribe. While you're there, rate and review. Every time you do, it helps someone else find the podcast. Upcoming episodes include Jen Wozner, she of Y Oak and Flock of Dimes, in conversation with Jana Hunter of the wonderful Lower Dens, and Suicide's Martin Rev, in conversation with Juliana Barwick. Thanks so much for listening, as always, and we'll see you next time. Till then. Bye. But hurry up. You're missing everything. Start the goddamn thing. (laughs) I love him. Oh, my God. I love him. (laughs) Jesus.